This episode is sponsored by Carla Riffle Makeup. I've been going to see Carla every time I want to feel my absolute hottest, whether that's a photo shoot, family photos, events, or I just want to treat myself. I go see Carla. She takes the time to listen to what I want and she helps me find it since I know next to nothing about makeup and especially how to apply it. If you're getting married, you have family photos coming up, you want to just treat yourself, you know, anything that you need makeup for, she's your gal, okay? She can help you get there. You can find her on Instagram at Carla Riffle Makeup and book through her email, Carla Riffle Makeup at gmail.com. That's K A R L A. R-I-F-F-L-E, Carla Riffle Makeup at gmail.com. Check, check, one, two. Hello. Son of a... You got it. That's us in the mic. Mike, yo, I need the beat. I need more beat. <laughs> I think it's working. Okay. Yeah. You got the camera. Channel one. Boom, okay. boom, boom. All right. All right. First guest. Season two. Season two. We don't really have a plan and that's okay. That's how that's how I've been moving through all of this anyway. So it's uh, it's good. It's, sometimes it's good to improvise. It is. I loved your when you were filling out the form, you're like, Chell, I don't know how to hype myself up. And I was like, well, <laughs> that's literally my job. So <laughs> no. that's okay. No. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, I'm bad at that. That's why we hire people like uh like press writers and shit to basically Motors. just, yep. Hey, will you talk about me in a certain way, please? Because mm-hmm. I can't. So, yeah. So if you're in PR and looking for new clients, yep. Zach Ivey. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> what's what's up, NPR? We're here with NPR. I'm Ari Shapiro's voice actor, Zach Ivey. <laughs> I, so I we met when we were working at, I was working at 4L and you... Explain what you do and how you guys got acquainted. So in 2020, uh, the pandemic shut down a lot of our jobs uh, with me being a musician, kind of put a stop to a lot of concerts. And then I also had worked at a kickboxing studio and gyms weren't doing too well either around that same time. So I uh, teamed up with one of my best friends and we opened an embroidery shop. Uh, He just was like, you know what? He's really into making clothes. He was screen printing before that. He saw a void of embroidery services in Salt Lake, especially for just like small time consumers. Yeah. And when I or startup businesses, I shouldn't say small time. That's not the word to use. But um, he was like, hey, man, I want to buy this embroidery machine. Uh, You want to come help me learn it? And I was like, yeah, but if I do this, it can't be like the screen printing machine where it's just like we got it. We tried it. It was great, but it wasn't our thing. You know, I was like, we're going to stick with it on the embroidery machine. You wanted um, to put out good quality work. Yeah, we wanted to put out good quality work. And we most likely or, or we just wanted to get over the hump and the phases of like the, you know, like when you get a new hobby and there's that really passionate interest in it. It's so fun. And then after a while, it kind of doles out that feeling doles a little bit and it feels more like work yeah like i wanted to work past that initial interest of wow this is really cool and like let's get to the hard parts and then let's get past the hard parts because that's where we're going to be able to thrive and really um succeed yeah succeed make our make our clothes different make make people's clothes different so um he was like deal you know got it we we've never we've been best friends for so long uh my friend Morgan, that um, it, it always felt like we were in business together. 
but we were never officially in business together. This is like the first time where um, we had a joint venture going. Cool. So yeah, it was Very yeah. Cool. So I met you. You were. I was running errands, yeah, dude. You, you I were was just like coming to get a giant a... order from us for four all. <laughs> yeah, this was a startup that I was working for. Yeah, and um, I think we were just trying to get shit done as fast and as good as possible. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I really am. It's hard for me to turn down opportunities to like mm -hmm. learn and mm -hmm. try new things. Yeah. And so, uh, Michelle and Jen brought me on to For All, and I was like. Dope. Let's, Let's go. Do this. Yeah. I'm like, I'll be dropping, like, dropping off orders and fulfilling things. So it was fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for all, they're they're really killing it right now. They've got a they've got a really solid business um, going, and it's cool to see the part that we played in help maybe getting that off the ground or getting I some agree. items to them. I think that's that's fun. That's why we like doing this. So. Startups are the most fun. I think. Yeah. Like, I started at a custom suit shop when I was like 22. Wow. I was running the thing. <laughs> yeah yeah though. and the two owners were 27 years old taking the leave didn't even know about suits or anything huh? well, well no honestly i was like i went to fashion school that's like yeah. all the credibility i have for this job right and then um which is more than I mean, yeah i mean I but i was willing to do the stuff that was necessary to do you know yeah. what i mean like i walked in one time and all of our paper forms because we only had paper forms at the time it was in an old industrial building on Pierpont in Salt Lake, yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, water just came seeping through the inside, like through the brick, and just only on the folder they had that the had form. all of the forms <laughs> with people's measurements, their orders, everything. And I was like, I'm, I'm done. It just bled I'm all walk the off the cliff, walk into traffic after this. So realistically, I try to avoid Pierpont Avenue at all costs. Yeah, <laughs> except if you're going to. Taylor Cooperative. Oh, okay. See, in <laughs> this still plugging is, them. That's where we go to. I guess maybe park if we're going over to Soundwell to rock shows. Oh, yeah. But I try to avoid that place. It's just a mess. It is downtown a is becoming a mess. I mean, it, it's cool that we've got things to do, but I don't get out of the house much. I usually don't even like. It's it's weird to say this, but like, unless I'm performing, I usually don't find myself at concerts as much anymore. Yeah, I haven't been to one in years, honestly. Yeah, well, thank you, COVID-19. I know. Um, so <laughs> what are you up to? You literally just went on tour, no? Yeah, yeah, we just got off tour with uh, Greaves and Mouse Powell, which was a blast. We did, me and my buddy Dumb Luck did two weeks with Greaves and those guys, cool. and it was just fantastic. Just that That's why we're in this, you know, that's one of the... One of the main reasons that that keeps us going and writing is for like opportunities like that and to get in front of um, people who've never heard us before and 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 then talk to them at the merch booth and and really develop new friendships and new listeners, new fans, new people who rock our T-shirts in their home cities that we've never even been to. So right. it was cool and and for Greaves and Mouse Powell to set that opportunity up for us um, was also an honor. You know, I really felt like. Uh, a part of the the team as a as a whole uh we were traveling tag along. And, yeah not just a tag along act you know sometimes it's like you you will show up to certain shows or whatever you don't feel like you're part of the show you feel like you're maybe the opener you know um and on this one we really got to know ben we really got to know that's greaves his name uh, and we really got to know mouse powell and the rest of the team and so uh, dumb lucky though for keeping it professional you know us for just kind of doing 
I mean, the things that we really wanted to do anyways, that's, that's kind of what put us in good graces with it. I feel like, uh, we hung out at the merch booth 99% of the time, but we would get on, we would do our 30 minutes, we would get off, we would head right over to the merch booth, um, instead of maybe wanting to go backstage and kind of party a little bit or hang out with them and kind of get to know this dude that we've grown up and listened to for a while. So, uh, instead of bugging him uh, or being in the way, we just hung out at the merch booth and met the people who might want to bring us back to their city. So, Well, that's awesome because, yeah. I mean, I've been to so many shows, big and small, and I feel like I always enjoy the smaller ones more Yeah, because you get that sort of contact. You get like, it just feels like more, per- more personal. Right. Well, and on some of the runs, so on the Greaves tour, um, it was cool because like every show was sold out. I think there was only one that wasn't. Really? And it was like five to 600 people in the venues every night. Um, and our, our merch did really well. You know, like we, I, I feel like we as a team did really well. So therefore, the merch is going to do well. And the, and the people in those cities like Colorado Springs or Fort Collins or Boulder, um, they just made us feel so at home, you know, they made us feel at home. They made us feel like we, you know, to where we even did get invited back that week to come. We've got another show out there in July. Cool. That we're going back to Fox Theater in Boulder. What date? Uh, July 15th, Boulder, Colorado. See us there with Dumb Lucky, The Real Vaz, shameless plug. We're, yeah. Yeah, we don't have any shame when we're plugging no, our businesses. No way. I do. I'm I'm the worst at it. I'll be like, uh, yeah, we're, we're playing a little show at, uh... <laughs> At a concert place. <laughs> I love it. I mean, it's become something I have to get better at for sure. But I've started to be like, people are like, well, why do you podcast? And I'm like, I think I'm pretty good at it. Yeah, you're natural. I mean, I grew up listening to so many people talk. Like my dad was a um, movie critic before okay. I was born. And so I grew up watching like David Letterman and late night shows and things like that. So it was I, just like. I listen to more podcasts and music lately, I swear. So, what are your favorite podcasts? Uh, Don't say this one. Just my for my fa- <laughs> yeah. Two yeah. for real. Who the shell cares? Podcast. <laughs> this is the best podcast ever. Um, uh, Talking Sopranos is one of my favorite podcasts. I listen to it nonstop. The Cheat Code uh, is another good one, but that's just for aspiring artists and stuff, musicians, people who want to be in the business of music. Cool. Not necessarily. Yeah, it's not like a music theory class or anything like that. It's like a, a business class on music. So I really like the Cheat Coders. I'm a huge Sopranos fan. So Talking Sopranos is, is probably up there at number one. Um, and, and my favorite murder. I got put onto MFM when I was... Uh, my wife had put me onto MFM. Oh, man. 2017. And at first I was kind of like... but It was like a road trip podcast. Absolutely. It was a road trip podcast. Even to where like when I was touring with Master Ace and Master Ace and Marco Polo were on tour with us and they'd all fall asleep in the van and I'd be driving and so I'd turn on a podcast. Yeah. And before I left, Marco was just like, hey, yo, what was that podcast we was listening to with them two girls talking about the murders? I was like, oh, my favorite murder. (laughs) Shouts out to Karen and Georgia. They're funny as hell too. Yeah. I think that was the thing that got me hooked because I can watch all of these murder things all the time. But then I'm like, okay, with seriousness, there needs to be comedy. Yeah. Personally. I mean, it's kind of like what you were saying in like your last podcast episode where you were talking about the the dark humor that has to come into 
fruition help. sometimes to get you through things. Um, my grandpa was like the the best at it. He was a Vietnam vet, though, you know. So it's just like those those guys come from a different cloth. Where absolutely certain things that people might look in horror at, uh, they're cracking jokes to to cope. You know, I would I wouldn't say to deal or to to cope with it. You know. Yeah, I um, think uh, as soon as I started coping with humor around my hand. Yeah. My life got a lot easier. Straight up. Instead of just yeah. being like uh bitter and mad and sad or That's a long road. It is. is a long, bumpy road. And it I've makes lear- your days really heavy. I I've learned that with uh, you know, other past things in my life that didn't turn out the way I wanted to, and I held on to that baggage so much. I held on to the the weight of it. And any time that that situation would present itself to me, it was immediate red. I would see red, I would just and it was like, how do you have this much control over me instead of just making a joke about it, you know, instead yeah. of just like finding the humor in it and not letting it affect you so much in that way. I'm realizing I'm a real grudge holder. Oh, I know that's yeah. not good for my body or my head mental <laughs> out. Yeah. Like not at all. My boyfriend says something quite often. He's like, does that make you feel better? Does that grudge? Does that grudge help? Yeah, or I'll like flip someone off driving or something, and he's like, mm-hmm. "How was that? Mm-hmm. Did that you work? get it off your chest now?" Yeah, I, I'm the I, I'm a defensive driver, so I like to let people in, and I like to slow down when people got their blinkers on and let them over and stuff. And it's people are mad, dude. And people hate riding with me because I go slow, but I'm just like, oh, all right, but like I don't really have to necessarily. Now I honk at people. I'm a honker. <laughs> okay. You know, some people can't honk. They're just like, come on. I'm like, beep. I'll let that fly any anytime. Anytime. Um, but I will let you in. I'll let you in Good. and then honk at you. Because <laughs> people are goddamn merging fiends out here. Just not even letting us know either. Just like all of a sudden, oh, gotta go. Yeah. Blinker on, swerve. TikTok dancers. That's what it is. <laughs> I blame that generation. Well, and texting and driving. I will see yeah. adults with kids in the car. With their phone up here texting, and I'm like, yeah, it's cool. You don't have precious cargo. What's going on? Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Don't do either of those, all right? Don't text and drive. Don't be texting and driving, especially with kids in the car. Yeah. Out here hurting people. I'd be looking. (laughs) 911. 911. I just saw a texter. (laughs) I just saw a texter right now. I am kind of petty. I will call 911 on people who, like, are hardcore tailgating and like swerving on the freeway oh yeah it's just not worth my life or anyone else's always i seen some younger kids the other day they were they were whipping pretty fast and i wanted to yell at them and i was like i don't know dude i don't young kids might shoot your ass yeah you gotta be careful yeah i gotta be extra careful (laughs) so what are we looking forward to what's what's your stitch you ride horses you do embroidery you rap like yeah your list goes on. Uh, right now is really just trying to balance out that schedule of things. Um, the the horses and everything that that's kind of always been my my grandpa owned cattle and horses, so my whole life I kind of grew up. Hay season would come around around now, and I would help him throw hay and go out to the farm every so often and help him out. Um, with him kind of passing away, it shifted the responsibilities a bit in like our in our family dynamic right and so um ultimately i just kind of had to step up and not 
not step up in a way, but I, I had to devote a lot more of my time to going out there. And it is something that I like doing. It is something that's very interesting uh, to me as far as like I, I trained my first horse last year. Like I've never like fully broke one, like had one that was no saddle on it, no people on it to now having a person on it and being able to be okay with that. Um, That was my first experience doing it like last year, right before grandpa had passed away. And it's just, it's such a crazy connection. Training dogs or training just any other animal. I'm sure they kind of get a similar feel, but this animal is like a, it's a lot bigger. And so it's a lot more of a, like that just sits on your mind. You know, you could get ran over, you could get kicked, you could get thrown right. off, you can, you know, you can really hurt yourself. Even to where, like, as of two weeks ago, three weeks ago, my uncle had gotten thrown off one that was, like, broke. Like, my grandpa had rode him for 10 years. Um, never bareback, but my uncle tried to get on him without a saddle and got thrown off and broke three of his ribs. Like, landed on a no. feeder. Yeah, like, just didn't, you can't really pick where you go once you get thrown right. off. Um, just try not to go under the horse. Yeah, unless you're, <laughs> yeah, definitely try not to go <laughs> under the horse. And a lot of these horses are good. They'll try to get away from you. Um, but yeah, like th- those accidents can happen. My my grandpa had a an uncle who was killed on a horse. Um, yeah, got hit by a car. Like the horse got scared, ran out in front of a car. Oh, no. So you know, it it is one of those things that you have to kind of keep in in mind when working with these animals. But. Um, if you do the right work, the right groundwork, if you get them desensitized enough to where they, they're knowing that you're not a predator, right? Because that's what they think we are. They think we're predators, so they're just well, trying to... Historically, we have been predators oh, to them. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I just watched we... The Mustang. Yeah. Cried my whole face <laughs> off. It's yeah. But yeah. like, I've always wanted to do, is it equine or equine therapy? Uh, equine. Equine? Yeah. And I've heard great things about it. And I used to like spend a lot of time around horses, like a family or a friend's neighbor had horses and she'd let us come. We were just little. So it was like, be very careful. Like we were just brushing them and like feeding them mostly. But I noticed from a very young age that they're very receptive to our emotions and things like that. Was that like going and that was an already broken horse. So like. Going from building its trust to actually developing that relationship, did that help you? Oh, in uh, ways tremendously. There were days where I have, um, I mean, and even still today, like I have my bouts with anxiety. I have, I have my own uh, troubles that I go through, and so, but I, I have noticed when I go out there. I mean, two things: they're gonna feel it. Mm-hmm. Uh, my grandpa used to always say, "If you can, if." If the horse can feel a fly on its ass, it can feel when you're nervous. It can feel when you're tense. Yeah. Um, and so, absolutely, when you go in there and you you have to learn how to control your calmness and you can't speak the same language as them. So you have to kind of find a ground level of um, the way we kind of were learned to do it. People used to break horse. This is why it was called breaking is because they used to kind of just break their wheel down. You know, um, the way that I train and the way that I was kind of taught to train is it's it's a pressure and release it's it's making doing the wrong things difficult in a sense of like if they want to move away from you just drive them that they're herd driven animals the pack leaders will push the herd and okay. make them run and so and and then when they're doing the right things leave them alone 
give them some space, give them some room. They'll want to come over to you eventually. They'll re- they'll realize that being next to you is probably easier than right. running away or or whatever. Uh, Instead of like the aggressive, like with my dog, I've always just done um, positive affirmation. Yeah. Or positive re- reinforcement. Reinforcement, yep. yeah. Yeah. So similar. Yeah, instead of beating on them when they're doing the wrong things or whatever, it's just like, and 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 that's what, there's a there's a difference between, I guess, training horses and training uh, mules or donkeys. Okay. Um, and, and we own mules. Mules are, ha- are half horse, half donkey. And they can't produce their own, right? No, they're sterile. Um, and... They live for like 30 years. This is like a long-term commitment, but they're a little bit more hard-headed in the sense of like, they're not, they're not scared of you. Like they, they may be a little bit fearful or whatever, but like, you're not going to beat on them. Like they'll just hold that. They'll just hold that grudge. They'll come back and basically get back at you later. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, so you always, it's always positive. You know, you want to, you want to just pressure. Okay. You don't want me to be by you. Then come on, keep it moving. And when they stop or when they do the thing that you want them to do, it's all about just releasing pressure. Right. And I and I feel like in a way that's kinda how that's kinda how life is in general. You know, we always want to kinda hang out in the comfort zone. We wanna be in the comfort zone instead of be where the the pressure is, where the but you you flourish by learning to maybe even deal with some pressures. Um, for example, the flag or the the scary blanket that you're gonna throw right. over them, right? Like you realize that things are a lot probably a lot harder in our head than just going through them sometimes. So it's um, like you get this being a small business owner. You it's like the zero to one is the hardest, right? Oh, You're yeah. just like, I just have to keep making mistakes and then I'll get there. Exactly. Exactly. And that was, that was kind of what we, we learned even with first getting the embroidery machine is like, Oh yeah, this isn't just some plug and play type no. situation. This is definitely, a, there's an art form to it. There's a method to it. Every garment, is different just like every horse is different just like every mule is different every um, life situation every boss every yeah, yeah yeah exactly every gas pump that you go up to is going to be some gas is going to be two dollars some gas is going to be three dollars and so it's just finding your the the way to push through all that you know I, I feel like us as humans are we don't give ourselves credit we don't give ourselves credit for and this is one thing i learned growing up boxing and competing boxing is uh we're not made of glass no we think we are sometimes. We think everything's going like to gonna happen. We're going to shatter. It's going to be over. It's the end of the world. But we power through, you know. We, yeah. we get a little bit of rough and tough on us. And yeah. So. I just filmed the first episode of this season just by myself yesterday. Right. Because I wanted to do like a little update of like what's been going on. It's been like six months. Right. And it seemed to be like at the beginning a list of like shit, 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 <laughs> shit. But then I was like, and I got to a point around end of March where I was just like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Like I'm exhausted. Mm-hmm. When is shit gonna let up? Right. Like I can't help. Someone help right. me. And then the winter wasn't ending. But then I got to the end of my list and I was like, <laughs> good things, good things, good things. Yeah. And I'm like, that's literally life. I know that's cliche, but the it's like you go, and I built so much resilience in that time too. Yeah. Um, you do something that is really wild to me, and it's that you go up to Tibble Fork Reservoir and mm. you guys go Polar sit plunge. in the yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about that. Um so that's that's actually something that I 
was un very unsure of it first. I'm very unsure of it. I, I was I was very skeptical of what like polar plunge therapy or cryotherapy, I believe right. is what people call it as well. Um I was like unsure of just what it was gonna do, what you know, what the benefit of it was. Like, okay, like maybe willpower. Maybe it's it's te but it's it's kind of just like putting your body through a uh, again a stressful situation and understanding that you can come out of that thing and not. I used to like always imagine those people who just freaking fell into the ice water and oh man they're done. Like I do that so cold I'd freeze. Yeah, hypothermia. But, you know, once you do five minutes in a frozen lake or the water's thirty four degrees, barely above freezing. Um, most of the time with like the moving water, that's what you see. Um, you know, you do five minutes in that and you realize like your body will definitely go numb. But mm -hmm. you, again, you're not made of glass. You're not made of you're not your body is cool. It's designed to adapt and, and regulate its temperature itself. You know, yeah. um, I don't I don't recommend going into a place like that alone or whatever, like always have right. people with you who can who can kind of help monitor things. Uh, don't sit in it for an hour. But people have done that. People have conditioned their body to sit in ice for an hour. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, the human body is an amazing thing as, as far as um, just just from what I've observed, because but I, I wasn't really I, I wasn't really super sold on the idea that it was going to affect my mental health as much either. OK, but, tell me more, because I, I have heard that it helps increase your serotonin or dopamine. I believe dopamine. Okay, and because it's like a shot to your a shock to your system. Right? Yeah, so you're shocking like... your one of your largest organ or largest organs, your skin, right? Okay. So, um, you know, the first thirty seconds or so are probably the worst. The the climbing in and getting submerged yeah. and getting your shoulders under. Even a chilly pool. Yeah, like... <laughs> even in a cold pool. Well, and it feels worse in the summer because I feel like the ninety yeah. to, you know, whatever. 40 degree lake or 80 degrees yeah. to when the lake's around 40 right around now was like the ones where the sun to water ratio was just so different the the outside air temperature compared to getting into a, a colder lake that's all right. fresh runoff was so different and so but like in the winter time um, when we would get in the cold river and then get out you're not more cold and that's why people like, you know, like when people get in the pool and they're like, I don't want to get out. It's windy. It's cold. Yeah. But like you'd get out and it'd be snowing and you're like, oh, like this is warmer than it's actually 36 outside and 34 <laughs> yeah. in here. So it's, you know, um, but it helped your mental health. But yeah, it did. It helped my mental health in a way that like, I, you know, and I'm not even totally 100 percent on the science of it. It just we kept going up. We kept going up. We gave ourselves a challenge of doing it for like every Sunday for a month. Mm -hmm. And after like the fourth or fifth time, it just became like until spring happened and it was too warm to basically feel the same effects. Right. Um, when you were going with a group. So that's got to be kind of fun, too. It's like this yeah. group of friends. At first, and... it was just it was uh, initially just my wife's side of the family. So like all of our siblings over there. And that was in January of 2021. And by like the next winter in 2022, um my brother-in-law, his name's Adam. He actually does like an energy stack over at the Herc. Um, he does a couple cool like meditation sessions, but he just 
built this huge community. There were like 30, 40 people the next year coming up to, to the point where actually like they were just like, hey, y'all can't uh, be sitting in this river over here. Like we need to move your cars. And, you know, oh, it was, okay. was kind of getting a little I don't I don't want to say out of hand, but the, the park rangers even said something like, oh, it, it wasn't just six or 10 of us anymore. There was a lot. It was like a huge group of people that went up there. So um, but they all feel it, too. You know, some of the some some people even take it even further than what I took it. Um, I get anxious in big groups, so I kind of like to wander off. And I like the smaller plunges. I, I prefer the smaller plunges, I yeah. should say, um, or or even just one on one time with the cold and with my with my thoughts, with my brain. I feel like it quiets your mind in a sense of, you know, you really don't have time to think about all the other shit. You're just trying to figure out, like like how do i keep my elbows in so that that cold water don't touch my ribs anymore or whatever you know like you're you really don't have time to think about all that other stuff and that's similar to what it was like being on stage or what it was like being in a round pin with a horse that doesn't know you you don't have time to think about other things because you might get kicked you might get ran over you have to be very present you have to be calm so that and then once you make that connection it's another form of dopamine or serotonin that releases you know much like being on stage, I don't have time to think about what bills I have to pay or what bills I haven't paid or or what jobs I have to do coming up or yeah. how busy whatever it is because I have to remember my songs. I have to I have to be able to give it my all on stage. Um, and and the same thing in the boxing ring. I mean, there were there were a lot of times where I think I learned the same lesson, and and my I should have just listened on the first lessons, but I didn't. <laughs> so I kept trying new things and yeah. you know we're we're always the best at taking our own advice right but yeah um Ugh. yeah so Don't i mean get me there you you you'll find these different ways uh but what you know whatever your way is some people it's skateboarding some people it's yeah crocheting. my boyfriend is in his 40s and he skateboards still because it it's still his rocks it. that's his thing yeah that's it's his, his thing yeah, it, that's his thing he he's even trying to find sorry that I'm telling your story. He's even trying to find an alternative because he's like, I'm gonna, he keeps like hurting himself. Yeah. He was breaking yeah. his wrists. And, yeah. but when you find something that just works for you so well and you yeah. keep, it's a meditative thing. Yeah. I really like, uh, we all get, we all, I, I know that some people might move on from passions out of um, injury or, you know, like my uncle, he used to ride bulls. My, you know people don't box in their 50s anymore maybe maybe a charity bout i know people might be like well mike tyson did it or bernard hopkins did it but like there's anomalies of course but like your body will break down after a while competing at a a certain level of these things uh, especially physically um i just went golfing yesterday tried to like pick up and i literally just remember my 90 year old grandpa golfing still and being like my great grandpa sorry but he uh was golfing into his 90s like yeah. you, you didn't it wasn't such a terribly physical sport um well, i mean we have some of the like biggest professionals in golf yeah are older yeah like it's not like you're playing basketball and have to be in your physical prime like you right. can be walking around and or riding a cart and then hitting the ball and then getting back in your cart. 
And you know what I mean? Like and you don't have to be. I took it as easy as a nine year old. I'm 30. I just barely turned 30. And I was like, I'm just going to treat my body like it's freaking 90 years old today. Not swing too hard. <laughs> not because one of my friends on the first hole tried to overswing, missed and like pulled an abdomen muscle oh, on the very first, first one. And I was just like, see, here we go. Here's everyone's <laughs> bar. I see it now. I see it now. So like doing music and being on stage is different because it's not as physically taxing as far as like punishment right right there's not a huge risk of maybe you could be posty and fall through the speaker or try to take a you know, or fall through the floor or whatever right but my body hurts just thinking back to i can't get it out of my no, head no sorry posty i hope you're feeling better yeah. i know you are you look like you're feeling better <laughs> um but riding a horse is another taxing one um polar plunging i can imagine you could do it into a pretty old age well, isn't Iceman Hoff? He, I don't know how old that dude is, really. He could be Me, way older than we think. Because he's taking care of himself. He's taking care of himself, like, yeah. Literally all he does is take care of himself. Yeah, the the human body. We we got, we got this one for now. You know what I mean? I, I don't know what happens next. None of us really... Some people like to think they know what happens next. But, yeah, take care of the one you got now. Then Honest, in, instead of competing, yep. I just teach kickboxing classes. Good. I still get the rush of boxing. I still get to work out, keep myself in shape. I don't get punched in the face as much. So it's. You'll have to teach me or have me come do a lesson or something. I had um, my friend Eric Schneider. Yeah. Has a 3D printer and he printed me something that is. I'm going to go get it. It's like a hand wrap thing. Oh, so sick. Yo. I have to, when you get back, I have to tell you the story of the time I boxed a person without a hand. Okay. And he was one of the Fulmer brothers. Um, great grandsons or great nephews. Who's Fulmer? Gene Fulmer, Jay Fulmer, and Don Fulmer. Gene Fulmer was the middleweight champion of the 1950s, in the 1950s. Very cool. Beat Sugar Ray Robinson. Okay. Muhammad Ali's favorite boxer. Um yeah, I've heard Sugar Ray. Yeah, yeah, Sugar Ray. There's there's a lot of Sugar Rays. If you got the name Sugar Ray, there's a reason. They're fast. They're good boxers. He was a boxer out of West Jordan who had fought him four times. He'd beat him twice, had one loss and one draw. Whoa. And this dude, was, Sugar Ray, was like the the man of the era. Um, anyways, I grew up competing with those guys, and they had a, I want to say, a, like a great-great-grandnephew or grandson who had lost his hand yeah they just taped a glove onto his wrist just duct taped it right there on his thing and when he hit me with it they it didn't just put anything felt like in a it straight elbow it just felt like a straight elbow to the nose okay so they put his nub like um in the glove so it was yeah, at the end slid it in the glove so it was okay. at the end so it was just like it was just lit, almost like an elbow. Yeah, I was gonna say it's the same. It's, it, it's like a fist. hard bone, and mm -hmm. it was it was, and they did they taped his hand, so it was like all nice and solid. And and yeah. I remember just thinking like, all right, maybe he doesn't have as much reach on that hand or whatever. Well, yeah, I lied. <laughs> I lied. He had plenty of reach. He hit me so hard, and and he was a heavier weight. He was a heavier weight, so I had no business probably being in there with Cade. But he. It, but now you have a great story. No, to tell. I'm just saying, like, don't don't get it twisted. They'll hit you with whatever. I mean, that's the thing about adaptive athletes, and I don't know if I'd consider myself one, right. but I know a lot of them, um, and they're hard as fuck, dude. 
some like, of the toughest athletes. Uh, yeah, I'm obviously starting to do a lot of limb different stuff and groups and that. And so I'm meeting so many more people with limb differences. Right. And I'm just like, I have a digit on my hand. And so I can hold things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And do stuff like that. But like, I think I even take for granted having one finger versus having a nub. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And they're rock climbing. They're doing yoga. Like these people are amazing. Boxing. Do yeah, doing whatever. I yeah, mean, yeah, just as capable. Yeah. Just as capable. People with no legs skateboarding and doing it way better than I was able to even try to skateboard. And that's and the thing. It's it like literally doesn't matter what your abilities are, mm. if you put your mind to it you'll find a way and you can do it yeah and, and you're it, just gonna do it differently and it, and it probably gives them you know and it's it i feel like it's not letting those challenges physically get in the way of chasing that that dopamine rush or that serotonin rush that we're talking about like they yeah. find what they love doing and they're gonna do it no matter what like well and i grew up not seeing anyone like me doing stuff and so i just didn't try a lot of yeah, things yeah yeah and I make excuses or be like, yeah. nah, that's probably really hard for me or whatever. And then now I'm like, oh, there's so many options for me. Yeah. Like this. So Eric has a 3D printer and he 3D printed the shit out of this cool thing. And it even has like a divot for my finger Sick. to go it in. It fits perfect. Yeah. And I have like the bottom of my palm here, which so still support. helps me like yeah. it's almost like a shelf in a lot of ways. So yeah, if yeah, I'm yeah. holding my phone or whatever. But then I just wrap around this so that my finger doesn't overextend that it doesn't and hurt overextend this. Overextend and tear things. That's I mean, guards, equalizers. People will call them a bunch of different things. Yeah. Yeah, and I literally I think I boxed once or twice, and I was like, that was hard. It's I don't want to so do that. <laughs> it is so cardio taxing. Our people, the the people who used to come into the gym who had every other tool at their advantage i mean they were strong they were muscular they maybe had reach they they probably didn't have to drop a lot of weight to make weight you know all they had to do was get on a treadmill all they had to do was just run and and you could tell the difference in people who had the wind mm -hmm. the the wind for it and i guess the chin for it too because nothing yeah. can really if if you get sick or if you get hit it, it makes you nauseous when you get close to being knocked out or days like it's almost like you're gonna pass out like you get that nausea rush you're like i don't know what to do yeah um i get that when i'm working out anyway though yeah <laughs> yeah same thing same thing but worse <laughs> yeah your body goes like warm and the only time it's ever really the only time i've been close was i i ate a headbutt really hard mm. he was just ducking down real low and stood up fast and i was over the top of him and i felt my body go warm I was like, and so I had to survive the round and like basically make it back and take a minute breather to get back into it. Amateurs is nice because it's it's so fast paced. You're three rounds and then you're done. So, yeah. it, but it's three rounds of constant, just go go go. So you want to make sure that your cardio can at least make that. Um, I don't know how the pros do it. Me either. I I mean, they're obviously you can see their bodies are built for it and mm -hmm. trained for mm -hmm. it, but. Just conditioned for it, yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have, like, a good amount of women coming in because it's something that could be empowering and, like, help oh. them feel like they could protect themselves? My studio that I taught at before the pandemic, before they closed down, was, like, a 20 to 1 girl to guy ratio. Okay. So many, so many just strong chicks who could just – and we kick, too. 
mm-hmm. they could throw kicks, they could throw combos. I mean, um, some people who took it, I should say, a little bit more serious in the in the terms of like, in the terms of like they. I I always teach like how I was taught mm-hmm. when it comes to throwing punches. Um, the place I taught kind of had like a chain gang feel to it initially. Where they were like, oh, well, this way is the best way for working out. And it's just like, you'll feel the workout even if you're throwing it correctly. Yeah. So um, there were still some people kind of stuck in that world. Uh, most of them weren't, though. Most of them okay. threw. Most of them threw really hard. And it too, even where like I was like, can I bring in mitts? And they would let me bring in my mitts. I mean, it was all bag work. So it's kind of hard to get the feel for certain combos. As uh, soon as I brought in the mitts, though. Yeah. First time I got my nose broken was by a girl. Nice. Her name was Lauren. She was a, a two-weight class belt holder out here. And she was a grown woman. I was a teenager. But we were similar in size. Okay. And our my coach at the time at the Fulmer's gym, his name was Superman. We all called him Superman. Um, he was like, hey, you're going to spar with Lauren today. And I was like, you want me to get in there with Lauren? And he was like, yeah, you're going to get in with Lauren today. And I was like, okay. And uh, another one of our friends, her name's Monica Flores. She's actually a national champion. She just won national. She kind of was like laughing, shaking her head because I was looking at her like, all right. And I stepped in there. And within like the first 30 seconds, she just shattered my nose. She came in with just two straight punches right down the middle. I'm bleeding all over. And I'm kind of like running backwards and stopping periodically to punch her. <laughs> but she was so much better than me yeah. that she just uh, just let me have it. So for three rounds, I ran a marathon and tried to stay away from this mean chick who beat me up and broke my nose. Like not really, but you just kind of run away. <laughs> I, <around the door. laughs> I would just run away. And, ah, <laughs> stay off of me. And she wasn't. She was like a robot. <laughs> I got home and my mom was like, oh my God, what happened? Are you okay? I was like, yeah, this girl was so mean. <laughs> my brothers were all there and they never let me live it down. And then they and then they went and seen her. She fought. They were putting on fights at the South Jordan days. And they watched her fight up a weight class. Like fought a chick who was big. Mm-hmm. Just strong looking freaking six foot five Amazonian woman. And yeah. this girl just. She got beat. Lauren just went after her, smaller than her and just up in her face the whole time throwing. And it was just like, and I said, I told you so. I told you guys so. Like, I've been in that you room got with her. I was like, see, I knew it. I knew it was coming. Damn. <laughs> yeah. So they had some more respect after that, I guess. But they, yeah, we had great, like, girl champions out of our gym. We've had a, a mix of, a mix of great champions out of the former's gym that have, gone on to do other things and move on to other gyms and stuff. So the the Fulmers was great because it was it's all nonprofit. Oh cool. They they never took a dime from any of us. They they just asked that we registered for USA boxing, which at the time was like sixty bucks a year. I think it's like eighty five a year now. Okay. That just registers you as a amateur. And and that was it. Stay in school, get good grades, don't smoke, don't drink, show up to the gym. And and you could be on the team, but they would they would never turn anybody away, even if it was somebody who maybe even did all that stuff and came mm-hmm. to the gym and needed a place to spar and learn the art. Like they would never turn anybody away. That's cool. The only time I seen them maybe get like that is if people if people didn't want to box and they wanted to fight and headbutt each other and blah blah yeah. blah. Yeah, like if all... you're gonna make this uh, 
gym not a place other people want to be that's one thing yeah. but if you're just here and you're a little different than everyone come on in come on in yeah, yeah. And, that, and, they, and they were the best they were they were the best and that's really when i decided to take the i joined poetry club my junior year and um was writing rap verses essentially my version of poetry right. but it, it was so different than the slam poets that i was around um and at the time i was boxing i'd box from seventh grade summer going into eighth grade i got bullied when i was a kid i was like i'm not gonna let this happen i'm gonna no join way. a boxing gym um seventh grade till like 2000 uh 2015 16 was when i had my last fight um the coaches had all passed away and they and i the gym had just changed so much in in a sense to where you kind of rock with people. They're your, they're your boys. Yeah. And then once that happens, you're just kind of. So I. It's not the same. Yeah, it's just not the same. And and respect to Teddy and Nick who still keep that gym alive and the legacy moving forward. Cool. Uh, Jay and them have. Jay Fulmer specifically was one of the youngest of the Fulmer brothers. But like their kids are all still pushing that gym. It's it's in better shape now than what we've seen it in in a long time because of the people who are in there now. But the coaches that I grew up with weren't really there. So I made the switch and I was like, you know what? I'm going to start doing music. And I told myself, I was like, but if I stop competing and I do music, I can't I can't quit something else that I love. Right. Like there's no way that I can quit something else that I love. I wasn't the the best amateur, but I loved it. You know, it right, was still yeah. something that I I mean, I still do it to this day. Um, but with music and stuff, that was even through the hard times, even through the times where I was like, man, like I, I fight with imposter syndrome on it all the time. Even getting ready to go on tour was the worst because we were just like, like who, who are we? Yeah. You know, even Pretty I'm cool. sure, you know, releasing music, releasing podcast episodes. It's like, who am I? Why do people even want to hear my stuff? And when that happens, I literally just have to be like, am I proud of what I'm putting out though? Yeah. And that kind That's of great. calms those thoughts because I'm like, if I'm really not doing this for other people. I'm doing it for myself. Right. And if other people benefit from that, great. Then yeah. And if people listen to it and if people mm -hmm. and take what I do and, and which has been the case for you know, maybe people don't like everything that I put out, but That's fine. You know, yeah. for for the most part I've gotten like the good feedback and then and and then I, again like i come off a tour and i'm juiced up i'm ready to go i'm let's start releasing this and that and then you'll and then you'll still fight with it like maybe the next day it doesn't feel like that anymore yeah and so and that's one thing that i i not only struggle with but like a lot of my artist friends struggle with a lot of my independent business owners struggle with it and uh we call each other. I'm like, yo, you feel like an imposter today? And we're like, yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, how about you? And we're like, yep. And then we have to pep talk each other and yeah. remind each other, oh, yeah, we just, you know, we just did this. Those we are your hype people. We need to stop. Um, yeah. Yeah, fighting with that sucks. What, what was the transition from writing poetry into actually performing the raps and, the <sighs> like, making it music? And It, it really felt like a, like a seamless kind of transition because what happened was is my junior year i joined poetry club but poetry club was so small anyways especially just throughout high schools yeah 
like the the poetry community here especially is so tight-knit mm-hmm. like you're always running into the same poets and the same people and the same faces and and some nationally ranked great poets uh william was and when i say was is one of my favorite poets out of here william palomo um he's also the one who asked me to join poetry club and ironically he's also the one who in third grade i was buying his brother's like dj cds he was coming to school and selling them to like all the school people my brother's a dj and so i me and william hung out so i bought some cds from him and like discovered rap music and was just like like other rap music i should say not stuff that i heard on the radio non-mainstream and just really fell in love with it and like it became a genre that i listened to frequently flashback or you know years later from third grade to now we're all of a sudden we're in 11th grade i'm sitting behind him and he's he's kind of like reading his poem in class and i'm like what are you doing man it's like oh this is for poetry club i was like oh there's a poetry club here i was like and he's like yeah you should come to a meeting and i and i didn't say no you know what i'm right. saying i wasn't like oh that ain't for me right I, I said yeah let's go in let's go check it out and i went and sat in it and i was you know writing rhymes a little bit but not thinking it's poetry and not thinking it's a verse um you gotta start somewhere yeah so i joined poetry club and immediately just got thrown into the mix like we would go to mo's barn grill we would always be driving from wherever to downtown to go perform at these poetry nights and everyone that I was with, everyone had their shit memorized. They had all their things memorized. They were slamming their pieces. I feel like this. Dude. When this, this. And like, I'm, it was really just like a, a look into the future of like stage performing. You know, cool. I, I got to see people know their know their craft, know their thing, slam it. And I always ended up in like sixth place. You know, I was never on the top of the list, but because I was one of the only high school students uh aside from like william and a couple other people that were there um it like fast tracked me to being on like the salt lake city slam team cool and like in the running to make the slam team so that just became like more poetry but what i what i had found out was like if i just put an instrumental on it all of a sudden this is sounding like a rap song this ain't sounded so much like poetry and william had given me the def jam poetry like season set most Steph used to host it, uh, and he would bring on all my favorite rappers. Like they would come on and just do their verses, it, it, just acapella, no beats, no nothing. They would just do their verses, and that's where the correlation like linked up. I was like, oh, oh. So Clicking. from then, instead of uh, doing like slam competitions and stuff, I would just go to coffee shops and do their open mics and just plug in my phone and. Hey, this is what I got right here. Ready? You yeah. said that you kind of have anxiety in groups of people. Is was that separate because this is a performance, or how did you kind of? I had I had to face that one head on. Okay. I had to face that one head on. It, there were times where I felt even more embarrassed. I guess getting off stage because I didn't have my stuff memorized. Mm-hmm. So it was different when I had my things memorized. Where I was like, but I mean, it still was. There were there were times where we faced criticism because we didn't show up with a guitar you know like people like oh they're gonna do poetry everyone makes some noise for these poets like there was a host one night and i was like i'm never coming back to this slam like i'm never gonna come back to this open mic that was and i and i still went up and i did my thing and like it wasn't like it was so different thinking than what it is now because like then two people came up to me and were like yo man that was actually pretty cool and i was just like thanks wow 
one person says it like that's enough for me to keep going right well and especially after being criticized so harshly for not being like a folky song writer or whatever you know it's just like it's always the people who are paving ways like if people aren't used to it they're gonna criticize it yeah like people don't like new or different yeah you have your coffee shops that are just i mean it's like going to certain certain bars here won't book rap shows you know certain venues here won't book rap shows like they're it's just not their their metal bar or their rock bar or their their demographic essentially yeah other places don't necessarily like booking um like booking rap shows but they'll do it every once in a while if the you know and so i i get it and that's kind of what i felt like we walked into there i felt like we walked into a place where the open mic was known to have like singer songwriters not necessarily even singer songwriters but like but like guitarists acoustic emo music we'll call it like acoustic emo music they were trying to do that parade huh i love mayday parade (laughs) if it was you mayday parade kudos on the career but no i don't even yeah i don't even know this guy was just a dude who worked there and maybe he does something but i mean i'm I'm glad that i didn't let that deter me from moving forward i am too because yeah it was it was rough i did i faced those situations where it was one of the first coffee shops that i had shown up to where i was like i don't know if i even want to perform not that i'm forcing i but like they give you one poem so i'm gonna go up there and do one song and then walk off and and i and how i kind of got over it when i say face it head on is i used to go and sign myself up first so then first yeah. i was just the expectation you know like i was either here and the bar was gonna go up or but I, i'll be damned if like somebody came up and wrote a good piece and then let me go on like yeah later i figured i would just be the opener for everything here let me just break the ice real quick so about how many performances do you think that took it to be like all right i got this like <clears throat> it was it or you still probably get jitters i i don't i wouldn't say i get the jitters now i don't i don't feel that so much anymore because it's it's like i know i know what i'm doing now right and and that really stems from it i would say it, it lasted from so my junior year was 2010 and that seems like forever ago now that i'm saying that out loud holy crap <laughs> so my junior year was 2010 and i had probably performed my my first year of performing was like my first actual show rap show with a set was 2016 so like i kind of been doing coffee shops and sharpening getting getting things in my in my catalog a little right. bit so if somebody had rhymes i had i had 10 rhymes that i could right. pull out if somebody had one verse i had 15 verses that i had written and memorized to make sure i'd done them over this beat and that beat and this beat but my first show in 2016 um it, it was cool but i i look at it now and i was still so raw in the sense of like i didn't know what i was doing on stage um or 2015 my bad june of 2015 was my first show and the first year that i like got booked for that show we only did one show that year and then the next year we did like three. And then the next year after that, it just kept moving. Yeah. yeah. So 2015, 2016, then 2017 came around. And I had actually gotten an opportunity to go on tour with um, Zion I and Mr. Cool. Lifted Acrobatic. Yeah. And and Zumbi, justice for Zumbi, by the way, uh, was a big mentor uh, when it came to just giving people that energy every time whether it was 20 people 200 300 people a thousand people it was the same set never changed and i got back from that tour 
and I got home and people were just like, yo, like uh, Salt Lake City was halfway through the tour. Okay. So I just picked them up here. Then we drove to Montana and then came back down, worked our way through back to Salt Lake. So like by the time I had done like five or six in a row with those guys and then hit Salt Lake, mm-hmm. like I had people coming up to me being like, yo, something, something's changed. Something's a little different with your like showmanship skills or whatever. And it was just because I got to see great MCs. I got to sit yeah. behind great MCs and watch them do their thing and be like, oh, okay. This is where I'm missing. This is where I got to be. Like I was definitely the the weakest link on that tour as far as like current abilities at the time. Um, but but it they, sounds like you were willing to like learn from others yeah. and not be threatened by that. Yeah, and take advice and take and mm-hmm. and listen and and not try to think that I have the answers right now when I don't. You know, plenty of people have gotten on tours and thought that they were they made it. Yeah, this is it. Yeah, this is it. They they went on a tour. It's it. Or or performed in front of a thousand people, and it's it. Mm-hmm. Or trained one horse, and it's it. Or won one boxing match, and this is it. I'm a champion. Yeah. You know, many people have had twenty tune up fights, fighting nobodies, and think they're on top of the world. But like, you you will get to a point where the game will humble you real quick. Mm-hmm. You'll go. You'll have to go back to work. You'll have to come off of the tour where you did. You know, you were in front of everybody and you were the man then. Everything was, yeah, you were the man that night. But, yeah, it'll come back and kind of check in with you every once in a while. So how how I get through that is by being as busy as I am, I guess. Instead of um, worrying about the imposter syndrome now, I'm just, I'm too busy. I, I Well, and do you find that, like, continuing to do other things that you're passionate about, even yeah. though they aren't the same uh, helps drive that passion as well. Like instead of becoming complacent. Yeah. I think stepping away from things sometimes kind of gives you a, a longing for it. Um, absence of things makes the heart grow fonder it a little really bit. Does. And then when you're, when you're missing a certain feeling and you get to go back to it, you get to almost tap back into, Oh man, this was just fun. This is why I like doing this stuff. That, mm-hmm. that initial infatuation interest period that we were talking about where, um, it, it, you know, if you could bottle that, I've always been like a believer that if you could find whatever releases the inspiration feeling, mm-hmm. like if you could bottle that up, that'd be more than air. It'd be more than water. You would be able yeah. to, You people would want that more than gold. Uh, the feeling of being inspired and in the zone and, and focused on it and, and you know, and um, yeah, tapping into those situations usually only comes after I've just been away from it forever. If I sit in front of the computer screen for 10 hours, I'm not going to create a better song. No. I'm going to drain myself. My eyes are going to hurt. Do you work with a team then? It's not just you working on it? Or what does that look like, your process a little bit? As far as music is concerned, so I I started Get It Right Records um, with the initial thought of just making it a networking event and a way for me to teach other artists how to do things the right way okay uh it evolved into more or less a collective of just artists that i've seen who've really who've been in it for years who have who went through the trials the tribulations who have you know came back uh stronger and better every time cool get it right records now when i say like working with a team we all have the tools. Uh, it's me, Earthworm, 
Ocelot, Dumb Lucky, uh, Zardy, T-Mantle, and my boy Titan. And we, for the most part, we all kind of just bounce ideas off of each other and keep each other inspired that way. I'll send a a verse that I was feeling this day, uh, send it over, may not get one in return from people, or, oh yeah, this is also what I've been working on, but it might spark something further down the line. Um, Dumb Lucky's the one who I just went on the tour with with Greaves. He also shot my last music video. He helped mix some of my last projects. Uh, he's just been doing it forever. He's he's a he's a great artist. Um, he's a great producer. He's a great MC as well. Um, and and was a big battle rapper when the battle rap scene was going around here. Mm-hmm. He was like the dude, like that dude who did it. Um, beat plenty of people. I'm sure I'm sure lost him. I'm not huge in the battle scene. I'm too nice. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> is that more improv too? So you're like insulting the person, or like what is? Yeah, battle. Uh, more? Es- essentially, what from my understanding is, is you can have, you can have two different battles. You can have compliment battles. There's okay. more than two different battles, but you can have compliment battles where people could just like jokingly compliment each other, and and those are always like the ones that I laugh at the most. But yeah. for the most part, it's just people dissing on each other. Okay. Talking about who's better and who lost this and who I mean it's it's hype. It's cool in a it's cool almost like in the way a boxing match is cool because I've had fights against my friends before, like competition fights against some of my really good friends. And when you leave you hug each other, you love yeah. each other. It's no different, you know. Right. But when we're in there, I wanna punch your face off. Then that's like and and so in a way, it's kind of the same. I see a lot of people say stuff that were like i don't know if i could i'm not gonna say something like that about you man and i don't know where crossing the line is yeah. and the, i don't know the etiquette so uh but dumb lucky he's he's one of those ones who just did it and i and if you go look at some of his old battles yeah he, he gets it yeah he gets it yeah he's good at it and it's it is it's a sparring match it's a it's a fight basically with cool. words. they're just throwing poetries at each other so what's next you said you have your um show in july yeah do you have any here before then or yeah. what's up? So this month I have two coming up. I have one coming up at the end of this week that is with uh, some friends who are coming in from Vegas. Charles King is coming to Uprock. That's kind of where our embroidery shop is. So I want to say what's up to those guys just because we haven't really had a chance to connect. But in the scene, it seems like we all know the same people. They're just from Vegas. We're from here. I know some friends from Tucson. I know some friends from Washington. So that that's initially how you start to set up little small runs for yourself and tours is you you kind of link with these people. Um, Devin the Dude is on the 15th of this month. That should be a really good show. Devin the Dude's a legend from, from Texas. Um, the Odd Squad, the Coffee Brothers, that's kind of what their, their thing is. Uh, and, and Devin's just a legend. He's got songs with... Some of the best MCs. He's got some of the best hooks, and he's just—it's cool to bring him back. Every time we've brought him out, I—I I think I've gotten to rock on the past four times that he's came out with him. Cool. And every time we bring him out, it's a great show. Uh, as we go into the next month, June—I don't have anything. July—we're um, getting booked. I think June we were gonna kind of check out the arts festival, see what they got going there. Uh, right now, I am basically—I teach a boxing class three times a week. I teach two times a week. I teach students at Spy Hop, uh, the Resonate course, which I teach them how to rap, how to work around the music business, how to be um, 
stronger vocalist in the booth, how to turn on one of these, you know, how to use yeah. a mic. So can I come to one of those? You can come check out a spy hop class. So okay. they're for high school students specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an after school program for high school students. It's completely free. Cool. Uh, they're working on their project right now, which is great. It the pro, this young producer is killing it right now. T London, you're the man. Um, and then running farm work and and trying to be a good husband and trying to you know what I'm saying further my embroidery career yeah. and music and and so right now it's just kind of go 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 on all fronts. I feel like I need more sleep, but I don't sleep more. That's why you drink a gallon of coffee I a just day. Straight up, drink a bunch of coffee. Get that super coffee jitter anxiety right before podcast. It's great. <laughs> um, and, You've and done yeah. great. Yeah, that's it. They would just the bookings roll in, the the features roll in, and and it's kind of like life, right? It's the ebb and flow of inspiration and being. Yeah, yeah. I I, I give myself if I'm not feeling like making music today, I'll go work with the ponies a little bit more, or I'll go, you know, teach a boxing class or dive into my other things that I love doing. That's and awesome. and that's. I, I asked the universe for that. I asked whatever the, the powers that be are. I was like, you know, I want to do what I love and be able to support myself doing that. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes I'm doing that. You know, we're getting to do it more as time yeah. moves on. But it, initially, you got to get through the hard part. And staying consistent. And staying consistent. Yeah. That's the hardest part for me sometimes oh, because man. I do ebb and flow, especially creatively, like you just said. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, I don't want to do that today. And then it's two days, three days, four days, and I'm like, oh, okay. I you miss it, you know. I should probably mm-hmm. start to write something. I I get on myself all the time because it's just, oh, I didn't write anything today. Looks like I'm not freaking what people thought I was. I guess I'm not a rap artist or or whatever. I'm not a hip hop artist out here because I didn't write a song every day or it's that imposter syndrome. Yeah, and you and you deal with it. You go through it. I mean, astronauts don't go to the moon every day, dude. No. <laughs> We've gone once. (laughs) Yeah, right. You know, astronauts don't go to space every day. Astronauts, you know, they're they're on Earth for most of it. And are they any less of an astronaut? Are they any less of a no? No, that's that's a good point. I never thought of it that way. You got to take the time to create, and then you can yeah show that yeah. Well, cool. Well, thank you so much for being on. I before we go though. Give us your handle, your website. Um, where can people find you? Uh, at Zach Ivy, Z A C I V I E on everything, um, except for Twitter. I don't use Twitter, so there's no sense in following me on Twitter. <laughs> um, and then get it right records. Uh, that's right with the W. Get it right. And I'll put all of this in the um, episode description too, so people can reference that. But put it, put it right here. <laughs> And in the graphics <laughs> as well, yeah. Um, but yeah, those are the places to find me or just find me at the next show, where, wherever it may be. You might see me somewhere, come up and say hi. Yeah. Um, I really like meeting new people. I, I I meet new people every day still, which keeps keeps us going, which helps keep this going. Yeah. And things like this, too. Yeah. I have, was so excited to have you on. I'm still excited. You're so cool to me. Honestly, here's the hype part. Because we met like a year and a half ago-ish, something like that. And... I've, so I've been following you on social media and right. seeing all these cool things that you do. And I think there's some people that just stick out to me that like, I feel maybe I can, um, we're kind of in the same realm, I mm-hmm. guess. Cut from the same cloth. Yeah. Or like someone who's creative and like constantly trying new things and like 
just putting themselves out there ultimately. And I think that that's something that's inspiring for me to see mm. because it doesn't really matter what people are doing. If you see people doing things that they love and care about, why am I not doing that? Why yeah. am I not doing things I love and care about? Right. You know, so that little um, ripple effect that you have, even just on social media. Thank you. Well, if there's one thing that I could, uh, you know, I, I guess I could say is just that. Um, yeah. What are what else are we put here to do? We can fight for it all day, but I know we're not. I know we're not put here to just work for somebody else in a job that we don't survive. Love. Yeah. Yeah, put, being put here just to survive sometimes feels like a mundane waste of each day. So, yeah. um, I'm a fan of yours as well. I've been asked to been yeah. I've been asked to be on certain podcasts where I've kind of had to turn them down just because uh, authenticity is a big thing to me. Mm -hmm. And from day one, you you've just been cool. a real authentic human. I'm a fan as well, especially thank via social you. media. And so I I love what you're doing here, and thank you for taking the time to have us. Yeah, I mean, let's have you back again. Let's do it. <laughs> Season two. Hell yeah. <laughs> cool. This episode is sponsored by Carla Riffle Makeup. I've been going to see Carla every time I want to feel my absolute hottest, whether that's a photo shoot, family photos, events, or I just want to treat myself. I go see Carla. She takes the time to listen to what I want. And she helps me find it since I know next to nothing about makeup and especially how to apply it. If you're getting married, you have family photos coming up, you want to just treat yourself, you know, anything that you need makeup for, she's your gal, okay? She can help you get there. You can find her on Instagram at Carla Riffle Makeup and book through her email, makeup at gmail.com. That's K-A-R-L-A. R-I-F-F-L-E, Carla Riffle Makeup at gmail.com. I get scared sometimes. I forget she's here and then I'm I'm, she'll just like I turn on. I didn't catch that. You're like, what? I didn't say nothing. You're like, mind your own business, Alexa. <laughs> Shit. Jeez. Mind your own business, Alexa. <laughs>